0: This is a kind of one-off. Um, I I mean I interfere in lots of churches. Okay, um, I'm involved in the training of in some churches. The, in the last month, since the chemo stopped, it was, you know they stopped it because they wanted it to cure me, not kill me, and they thought it might be doing the latter. Um, I just you know I, I've been. We've well, so I just had these gatherings of leaders, so we've had one in Carmarthen, and one in Swansea, and one in Bridgend, and one in Caerdydd, and then one in Carnarvon, and one in Mold, and one in Bala, and then one in Pontllwyd, and there's some more to come. And that's what I'd like you to pray for, that that work prospers. There are people that feel that God will give me an extension. You know, I, what do you call? Because I've some of you are playing in the, in the second half. So some of you are still playing in the first half. I, I've been in extra time for ten years. So what do you call extra time on extra time? Do you know what I mean? But that's what I'm praying for. And so when, when I go around. Um, and work with leaders and churches, because I'm just somebody that interferes from outside, there are things I can say that it's difficult for Alan and Ben and and other leaders to say. So I just want to talk about one of those, and I'm going to do it from Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. Now, um, I'm going to do it from the last chapter, but just let me unpack the letter. is. not a long one it's probably, almost certainly, Paul's first letter. There are some that come before it in the New Testament, but we think this is the earliest letter. And it's a letter written to a very young church that's growing hand over hand. The church is growing so rapidly in chapter 1 and verse 8 that Paul says everybody's talking about it. That God is doing something in this church in Thessalonica, which is just amazing. So Paul writes the letter to try and put some essentials into this young, burgeoning work. And that's what the the letter is, really, that he wants to get some foundations for a healthy church. What do we need? You know, you don't need a building for a healthy church because this isn't the church, this is the church. And how we relate together and what we do together and how much work we do on the new building together and how we pray together and how we love one another and look out for each other and watch each other's backs, all of that. That in terms of what you say to the church right at the beginning... Paul, Paul is, is in the first chapter, and to some extent, the second. He's talking about what God This is God's work. This is God's work. This isn't a Ben and Lois thing. This is a God thing. God is at work in you, both to will and to do of his own good pleasure. Wow, what a privilege that is! And that, in, and then also towards the end of chapter two that God works in us in real difficulty. They were getting it in the neck. It was called persecution. The authorities were having a real go. And so often you think, well, you know, if this was a real work of God, wouldn't it be easy? And Paul says, no, 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 no. God God works in the mess and challenges of life that we're in. So take encouragement. Uh, And and then he, he talks other things really quite, Current, really, he, he talks about just loving one another and the quality of relationships, good. He talks about sexual purity. You can't go having it off with somebody else. Sex is for marriage, and you've got to keep it for marriage. And he's quite explicit. You'll, 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 have had, you'll know Di Hanke, we, that we, Di Hanke came and preached to the church where I'm an elder um, and, uh, you know, just hit it straight. Well, Paul, Paul hears it straight. You can't carry on. You can't compromise. You can't mess about. You've got to be holy. You've got to keep yourself pure for the Lord. And a part of that is being a, you know, we're not, we're not, I am what I buy. No, you're not. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a consumer. No, you're not. Well, you are, but that's not why we're here we're not here just to be a, a people who are entertained that and therefore that the, the chapter four is talking all about heaven and when jesus comes back and the future and the ages to come because we have to live now with a view to them so i know you think that's easy for me because i haven't got much now <laughs> unless the lord heals me i haven't got any now but he, he he goes into great detail to say we're not materialists we're not just here for what i can have we're here for them there are going to be rewards then because we've got it right here and those are the kind of foundations that he puts in and then in chapter five he comes to the last one how if you were going to add one don't don't shout out but I wonder what you'd choose. Oh, that's number six. Need a big one. And I'll start to read now. And verse 12 and 13 are the finale. This is the thing that he puts last. Because in some senses, all that's gone before hinges on it. This is what he says. 1 Thessalonians 5.12 We ask you, brothers to respect those who labour among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all, see that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good and to good to one another unto everyone rejoice always pray without ceasing give thanks in all circumstances this is the will of god in christ jesus for you don't quench the spirit don't despise prophesying but test everything hold fast to what is good and abstain from every form of evil now now may the god of peace himself sanctify you completely And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, and he'll do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. That's not a Glasgow kiss. That was just the way they were then. Don't you dare kiss me on the way out. Oh, you'll have a Glasgow kiss. Anyway, sorry, that's not in the text. I, I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. The essential, the, fi- the finale, is how well we treat leaders. You wouldn't have finished on that, would you? Really, you wouldn't. Oh, that can't be all that important. But to Paul, it's very important. Because healthy attitudes to leadership are key to the future of the church. And I just want to unpack that. I just want to unravel that. So you can just check your own heart where this is concerned. Because uh, actually, everything hinges on leadership. If you're in a small group, host group or whatever you have, a cell or a, a hope group or whatever you call them, It's as good as the leaders. If the leaders are naff and don't pray and are not diligent, career doesn't work, does it? Same with the youth work. Thank God for good leaders in present company. And it's the same with the church. We just, you know, thank God for Ben and Lois and Alan and and, and all the others. You know, would we be here if leaders hadn't invested? No, we wouldn't. So the, the, that, that, there we are. That's, he's saying it's essential for Thessalonica and he's saying it's essential for Tonopandi. And I don't think it's an accident that he puts this one last before he closes off the letter. So what about attitude to leadership? Now, he doesn't actually specify what kind of leader... That one guy said that leadership is influence, so if you have a role in the church and you're influencing others and guiding others, and, and you're a leader. But particularly if you're an elder and with, partic- with overall care of the church, and he, he talks about three features of these leaders: one, that they work hard, that there's laborious choice. It's hard graft if you're leading. It isn't always convenient. Sometimes you wish you weren't. you just like to be a tour guide in you know in Mallorca. But the, the word that's used is a word that's used as farmers just rolling the sleeves up and just getting on with the hard hard graft. And uh the inverse fourteen is interesting, isn't it? Well I'll explain the connections in a minute. But he, he talks about confronting those that are idle. Idle. And uh, the, the, the word that he used there is, is has the, the sense of somebody who's a truant. You know, mitching, right? Truant? They're, they're not actually at the post. It's a military word. So it, it's people that are not in line. It's people that are not where they should be. And, you know, in churches, I'm glad, you know, that you've got all of this to do. Don't mitch. Don't go truant on what God wants you to do. I know you've got to do your Christmas shopping. I know. I I know how important it is to go to that. I know. I I I know terribly, terribly important it is to get all of your fancy Christmas decor. Don't, Mitch. Don't, Mitch. We all need to do and work hard. In the life of the church. That's the first thing. And then the second thing he says over you. Over me? I don't want anybody over me. You don't think Ben Franks that you could come and tell me what to do? Who do you think you are? Uh, There's something about that today, isn't there? We don't like anybody telling us what to do. There's all kind of trouble in schools because kids are not used to it. Parents get lost. I know what's best. But here Paul says that leaders are over us, not over us in a kind of Roman general way, but over us to care and correct, over us to initiate and give lead, over us just to show us the way. Because oftentimes I haven't got a claim. And it's really, really good to have a leader who says, it's this way. When I was walking on the hills, I I walked a lot with a friend. And uh, I said, you know, Pete, do you you know how to use the compass? I mean, if I drop dead, do you know where the map is? Oh, I don't need that, he said. "I, I have a policy for safe arrival back down there and I just stay two feet behind you. <laughs> and in the life of the church, it's not a bad policy, unless you're called to leadership as well. Thirdly, that it may, needs to be in the Lord, over as in the Lord, and it's, it's, not, it's not, I'm an elder, salute. Um, I, I'm a leader, do as you it's not. It's not like that, is it? It's a spiritual authority, it isn't. I've got, a, I've got a, a, a position. No, no, no. Jesus is the one who calls leaders. And he gives us leaders. And they're great gifts to us. And they're Jesus' gift, and Jesus gives them authority because he's their gift. And so we don't just do it, we don't just take the lead because he said so. We take the lead because he said so. And then fourthly, and this is a good one, isn't it? That uh, as they admonish you. Admonishment? What does that mean? It means kind of rebuke. It means to kind of, hang on a minute, you don't do that. You know, it's, it's like what a parent does. Johnny, you know, my dad used to do this. Do you say, ah! And I had a teacher who used to get the hair at the back of my head and twist it. Ah. Now that's not what Ben does. Please understand. It, it, admonish means to say, that's not a good way to live. If you go down that route, this will happen. Admonish is to say, what well, the Bible says that there's a better way than that. Let's do this. And, and that's what these leaders are doing. And, uh, you know, in society as we are, as I said, <clears throat> there's, all, there's a kind of individualism that means, I don't know anybody to tell me what to do. All leaders are dictators. They've all got their snout in the, it, like, like the bankers. <clears throat> you know, like the MPs with their expenses. They're, they're all in it for what they can get. <clears throat> Happily, in your case, not... And you know, sometimes you listen to some people, and they think that a leader is claiming to be a kind of supreme leader, you know, like the, the, the leader in North Korea, Kim Jong Un. You know, and every, he comes in the room, and everybody has to kind of, kind of curtsy or whatever it is they do. We honour leaders. We don't disregard or undermine or disrespect. We affirm them and. Welcome. And there are two, it's interesting, in verse 12, if you have your Bible, if not, I'll just read it anyway. <clears throat> it says, we ask you, brothers, to respect those. The word doesn't quite carry that sense. It's, we want you to recognize. I'll, have a, I'll just kind of pick on Ben for a minute. All right? What the Lord Jesus is saying is, we want you to count him. Take notice that God has given him leadership. Acknowledge it. And, and then in verse 13, to esteem him. Appreciate him. Think highly of Alan. Ah, come on, it's your turn. <clears throat> Think highly. Be loyal. Trust him, and and there, this is amazing, right? A little bit of Greek now. You good at your Greek? Here it goes. I'm not going to use the Greek because I'm not that clever. But <clears throat> but what it says in verse 13 is, and to esteem them very highly, very highly. We have to esteem Alan, well both of you, okay, because of their work. They work hard in the Lord. Look at the building. But he doesn't mean very highly, oh, thanks very much, well done, pat, pat. A literal translation, we are to esteem them beyond exceedingly abundantly. And it's one of those, somebody called it a triple Pauline intensive. What he's done, he's got a whole load of words and rammed them together. He's just piled intense words one on top of another to really make the point we've got to do this well so i don't know who else is leading in here this lot but <clears throat> let you know i haven't been around but you know give them a good week yeah do some beyond exceedingly abundantly you're going to do it for the people that own this building and good but don't forget to do it for our own leaders because leaders if we don't support can't lead you know you can't lead the unwilling they don't follow can be a little bit like herding cats if if people don't respond and you know be very careful about criticizing be very careful about whinging. You know, you, you go to Valindra. <clears throat> that's the cancer hospital down the road. And uh, how are you, Mr. Orlerton? What a stupid question. <laughs> I mean, what, aren't you supposed to, be, to know? Don't you tell me, idiot? <gasps> I don't say that. I'm much too nice. <laughs> I just think it, right? <clears throat> and I have this stock in, in trade answer. I'm not complaining. I find it doesn't work. Do you know that's true? If I whinged, I wouldn't be any healthier. I'd probably be less. Isn't that interesting? It's an overrated strategy, grumbling. It doesn't help me at all. So don't ever do it again. I mean, kick it into touch. Because here Paul says that if we honour and affirm, everyone benefits. And he goes on in verse 13 to say that be at peace. Peace will just grow among us. And John Stott, interesting, in the Bible Speaks Today commentary, when he's looking at these verses, he says, this is what a gospel church looks like. And if we're a gospel church, for instance, what, because Jesus has led us and loved us and cared for us and done everything forward for us, what do we do? <laughs> we praise him, don't we? Isn't that what you're trying to help us to do? We, we, we affirm him. We acknowledge his goodness. We make much of him. Gospel churches do the same. People have been very kind to us and we reply. So, that attitudes to leadership. Just give your leaders a good week. Year. Five years. But then the the, the verses go on. And I deliberately read it in a kind of boom, 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 boom way. if if you noticed because there are some attitudes here that seem to come from leadership see as i said i don't think it's insignificant that paul puts this here and then what i call the 13 christian commandments don't quench the spirit don't despise prophesying rejoice evermore pray without ceasing in everything give thanks Avoid evil. Own up to good. And boom, but 13. The 13 Christian commandments. And it's snappy and memorable, but it's as if he's giving bullet points, a kind of briefing summary. This is the stuff that a gospel church looks like, and it comes out of healthy leadership. All of these things is what we expect of leaders. And if the leader's... Quench the spirit; they'll be teaching other people how to do the same. I, I, and I, I, one other thing interesting in it, because I believe in the gifts of the spirit and prophecy. If, it, as long as it's God, is a re, is really good to, for God to speak to us. Really, Andy, do you know what I mean? Because sometimes I'm a bit thick, and I I don't actually get what he's saying. So to have somebody come and tell me what he's saying is is just handy. And I I meet leaders, and this is what they say. Oh, I I believe in that too. I've just never done it. Oh. So do do other people in the church do it? Well, of course not. Because we need the leaders to model how we do it. Leaders need to rejoice evermore. Give thanks in all circumstances. Pray without ceasing. And then if they do, so will we. There's a, a pattern that's going on. And uh, he's painting a picture of a healthy church, isn't it? And that, I was talking to Liz this morning. <clears throat> and just, you know, what on earth are you preaching on? And you, you try and remember... <clears throat> and uh, and and she's th- this phrase. She didn't know who was it that said it. You tell me what the church is like, and I'll tell you what the leaders are like. And but it's also true. You tell me what the children are like, and I'll tell you what the parents are like. You know when you go into to Lidl, and uh, there's that kid pulling all the tins off the shelf and screaming and 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 shouting and and kicking his mother you know that one um no you don't do that lovely cuffs are outlawed you're not allowed to clout him i just want you to know that (laughs) however strong the temptation the kid is saying a lot about his parents and when churches misbehave they can be saying a lot about their leaders And there's a a trade-off. Is it, when he talks about comforting the faint heart, is that the leaders that are faint-hearted? Lost confidence, discouraged, not got hope enough to lead. When he talks about those that are weak and worn out, is that the leaders? By the time you get to the conclusion, godly leaders who we honour releases them to lead well and the church prospers so that we start to live in the way that they've modelled and our lives get sorted that sounds really good to me that's that's a good pattern and he, he goes on to say in verse 23 which is amazing He he talks about the God of peace sanctifying us, making us completely clean so that our whole spirit, soul, and body is blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. He who calls you is faithful, and he'll surely do it. That's great, isn't it? God, through the leaders and and through his word and through my understanding of the gospel, is working in me. So that my life fits with him and is right. Kind of making some beautiful people. Because, you know, all of, those, all of those 13 Christian commandments, I mean, if we all lived like that, it'd be some church, wouldn't it? If we all did that all the time and always giving thanks, always grateful, always praying. Always rejoicing. I mean, people in Tonopanis are a bit weird, but by heck, we've got something. May God help us to be that way. Because actually, this is how it works in life and it's friends. You know, you've got friends and there's a group of you and there's a whinger. You know the kind of person? He's always finding fault and... Always got something negative to say, and you think it just affects the whole group. The same in families, same in churches. So, whether I'm a group leader, or whether I organize the building, or whether I'm an elder, affirmation and encouragement, and acknowledgement, and affection, and appreciation, and support if we just work at this, I was. I I pastored a church in Surrey, posh, loads of money. They were all bankers. So I was quite happy to milk the cow. And uh, they they gave me some money. And one of the elders in the church in Asia, his son was an elder in a big church in Los Angeles. And so they said, well, David, go out and spend time in... Church on the way, chap, it's years ago now, chap called Jack hey, if I don't know who's he's alive or not now um, so i they paid for me to go out there, and uh, the eldest son got me into the leaders' meeting, right? So I land in l a uncomfortable, and uh, picked up at the airport and taken straight into the and there are about fourteen, thousand people in the church, right. And so this was the core leaders' meeting. There were about 120 people there. It was just bonkers. Like, and uh, Jack Hayford was sat on a bar stool, kind of prattling on to his leaders. And you know, you know Americans... Any Americans here? Good. Okay. You, you, you know what Americans are like. A bit sugary. A bit flowery. And, uh, you know, just kind of have all the phrases and... It just feels a bit greasy. Do you know what I mean? And they're just kind of flannelling people. And I sat there, and he was doing all of that. Oh, American religion, thousands of miles wide and half an inch deep. And then it dawned on me. I think the Lord was kind of giving me a poke. I was a cynical Brit. And it's easy. We are in a culture where we knock people. We, we, we have trends where anybody that's in a position above me, I, the, the, ten, the temptation to undermine them is just part of the way we are. You know, we lost the empire or whatever it was. We colonized Wales, which wasn't a good idea. Better if they're free. Um, do you know what I mean? And I realized that it wasn't Jack Hayford that had the problem. It was me that had the problem. I I didn't know how to affirm and appreciate. I wasn't generous in my my thanksgiving. I was just a negative, bitchy old Brit. (laughs) Doesn't quite fit that, does it? But you know what I mean. It's not a gospel way. That's not how the gospel works. We're to be a gospel church. Jesus has loved us freely. He's accepted us when we didn't deserve it. He's washed all our sins away when we were sinning against him. We we turned our back on God and he came after us. Wow! Wow! Isn't that going to make us a grateful people who pray all the time and, and rejoice all the, and, and rejoice there? Isn't it? Wouldn't it be really weird if we knew what Jesus had done for us and all we did was criticise people and whinge? It kind of doesn't fit, does it? And we're a gospel people. The Lord Jesus has died for you and I and made us his own. That is wonderful we need to lay down our lives for each other we need to love each other deeply we need to sign up on the board we need to do the stuff we we need to be a gospel grace, forgiving merciful, kind people because that is how Jesus has treated me do you know I hope he heals me and gives me three or five more years. Lord, you know, I ask him every day. I've I've got work to do, Lord. Sort me out. But if for some reason he wants me home, somebody who was hell-bound, who... I was called a sadist on my school report. That's somebody who just bullies for the pleasure of it. I was playing second row. Yeah, I thought it was unfortunate that they put it like that, but it was true. And Jesus has given my, has loved me and accepted me and called me to be a gospel person in a gospel church. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you have treated us better than we could ever imagine or deserve. Thank you that you've loved us freely, forgiven us without limit, and lavished grace and kindness and healing and your presence on us. You've spoiled us rotten. And now you tell us that those you have given to the church as leaders, we must spoil them rotten and appreciate them and be quick to say how grateful we are for them. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to be a gospel people. For Jesus' sake. Amen.